Well, off the upset of Dimitri Bivol defeating Canelo Alvarez, we are back in with another edition of the Fight Freaks Unite recap podcast. I am the somewhat capable host. He is Dan Rayfield, who we love him as a boxing insider, partnering up with us on Big Fight Weekend and the website and the podcast feed. And looky here, Dan Rayfield is back aboard and now is back in the Eastern time zone. I mean, we don't waste any time. Dan has been, at the time that we are recording this recap podcast, traveling all afternoon, all night from Vegas, where you took up temporary residency. You're now back, (laughs) as you like to say, in the Commonwealth of Virginia. And Dan said, let's do the podcast right now. So we are here, and it's good to have you, and it's good to have you back in the Eastern time zone. I thank you. Uh, You know, I figured... Might as well fights fresh in my mind. I'm, I'm not quite that tired yet because I'm still on Pacific time. It's been a long day, been a long week, but I'm happy to be back. And I was like, you know, I'm not doing this tomorrow because I'm sleeping in and I'm not taking any calls for a little bit. I'm going to chill out tomorrow. I mean, I'll get cracked and I'll come into my office like I often do when I come off a trip is you, you try to, you know, take that morning and just sort of unwind and, and you know, see what kind of bills you got while you're away, what you got to right. take care of and that kind of thing. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll meander into my office maybe like yeah like two o'clock tomorrow afternoon something like that. But really? I figure you know let's do this because uh, we got to give it to the people that want to hear what we yeah, think absolutely. about that. Absolutely, very big way, event. Yes, and by the way, to the audience that's out there, continue to follow and subscribe here because the audience continues to grow and grow and grow on the Big Fight Weekend podcast feed and Fight Freaks Unite, which belongs to Dan. And it's part of his coverage through Substack, et cetera. We primarily come in as a recap podcast, usually out at some point Monday. In this case, we are taping Sunday night to have it out Monday off of the Bevol unanimous decision win over Canelo Alvarez. So all of that recap coming. But again, wherever you get podcasts, search for Big Fight Weekend, the podcast feed. Big Fight Weekend. And uh, follow or subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. This Fight Freaks Unite comes automatically to you. So there we go with the with the promotion of that. So we're in the recap mode. It's been roughly 24 hours at the time that we're doing this podcast. I have to say up front, you and I did a thorough job of breaking down how Bevol could win this fight. And you kept saying the jab, the lateral movement, the size. So this is not an out of the blue, utter shock, what we saw on Saturday no. night. So you pick it up from there. Bevol has now gotten up, gotten the win. We know how he did it. Give me your thoughts being in the T-Mobile arena. Well, listen, I mean, you and I talked about it a multiple of times in the lead up to the fight where even though I was certainly picking Canelo to win the fight, most people were picking to win the fight. Frankly, I don't know anybody that was outright picking Bevol, but I said time and again, both on our conversations, on our video preview, on some YouTube uh, interviews I did with some of the boys out in Las Vegas, Absolutely. From the moment that this fight was contemplated and signed, I always thought that people had a real chance to win the fight because the last time that Canelo Alvarez fought in the light heavyweight division was against Sergey Kovalev, who was a great fighter in his time. He was one of the pound for pound best when he was at his peak. But by the time that Canelo got the opportunity to fight him for the WBO title, he was not at that level anymore. He, he was still good, but he was certainly beyond his best time and a little bit faded and you know not what he was. And we all saw Canelo score a spectacular knockout against Kovalev. But I think what we may have forgotten was that getting to the point where he got got that knockout in the late part of the fight, I think the 11th round, if my memory serves, 11th or 10th round, you know, Kovalev had done a pretty good job. He was in the fight. He wasn't winning, but he had won, you know, he'd probably won four rounds and was was troubling Canelo with certain things. And now you fast forward and he's fighting Bebo, 
who is a total different kind of fighter, but a much fresher fighter than Kovalev was, a younger fighter, a quicker fighter, uh, a guy that has never been in damaging kind of fights as a professional, which, you know, I had not thought of that. It was Eddie Hearn that brought that to my attention when I sat with him for our interview that we played on one of the preview podcasts mm -hmm. uh, uh, several days ago. And he made the point, look, this is a, a guy who has not taken any real damage in a professional fight. So he has the, the hunger. He doesn't have the wear and tear. I like to describe it as he had the spirit. I'm not so quite sure what kind of spirit Kovalev had to really go out there and win, you know, for Bivol, this was the fight of his life. And, uh, you know, we all know he's been a good fighter. He's undefeated. He has a good resume even before he fought Canelo. <clears throat> and he went out and did the job. And what did he do it with? He, he used the jab. He took a good shot. And he was able to back Canelo up. <clears throat> I think frustrate him. Um, take the power. Uh, you know, the kind of right hands that Canelo was landing on Bivol were the kind of right hands that were dropping guys like Billy Joe Saunders or Caleb Plant or Abney Yeldrum and, you know, taking guys apart. Uh, and, you know, you kind of got the sense when he landed like about three or four hard ones, you know, in maybe like the third or fourth round and, and people really didn't go anywhere that he sort of was like, OK, I'm going to have a little trouble here because I've landed my best shot and this dude's still standing when I was knocking other, you know, guys in the super middleweight and before that in the middleweight division out. And uh, what can you say? people uh, had a great performance, had a good game plan, and he beat the best fighter in the world. He absolutely did. Uh, all right, so a couple of other avenues that I want to travel here uh, about this. One of those, I use the Southern cliche, I, I kind of wrote in the aftermath here, that Canelo bit off more than he could chew by, by moving up to fight this guy, uh, that his appetite was just, I, I want to be a light heavyweight undisputed champion. The first roadblock is Bevol. This just says to me, now that we're in the recap mode, he needs to stick to being a super middleweight, defend those titles and whatever, because when you move up, you know this, Dan, when you move up, you're fighting bigger, stronger guys. And if they're young and they're athletic and they're bigger and they're stronger, you've got, you've got your work cut out for you just to compete. Uh, that's what it says to me. I wrote that a little bit. All right, respond to that. Did he bite off more than he can chew by moving up and fighting a talented fighter at 175? What do you think? Well, I think that Canelo can absolutely compete with the best light heavyweights, but the absolute best light heavyweights are giving him a lot of trouble. Like he'll beat light heavyweights, but he won't beat necessarily the guys like Abibol, um, who are multi-talented. They're versatile. He's not a one-trick pony. He's not just a guy that's going to stand in front of you. Like to be quite honest with you, I would give Canelo Alvarez a much better chance to be like an Arthur Better Biev than I would have against Bivol. And why you might ask? Because they're both excellent fighters, obviously. They're both undefeated champions. Bivol is a more versatile guy. He has the ability to go uh, use his legs, use his jab, uh, has, you know, not the kind of power that that uh, that better be it has, but it's not like, you know, Bivol has never knocked guys out. I mean, he's got some nice knockouts, and he's uh, he's younger and fresher. And better be is more of a one-trick pony. He, you know, he, he's a capable boxer, but he relies on that, just that thunder, you know, the only champion in boxing with a perfect knockout percentage. And he's been a little chinny. He's been hurt. He's been down. And so when you mesh the styles, I would definitely give Canelo a better chance to beat him than people. I'm not saying that in a, as a Monday morning quarterback. I believe that even before this fight ever happened. Um, so the, the point is, though, that Canelo could beat light heavyweights, just maybe not a, a few light heavyweights. Um, at super middleweight, obviously, he, he's, that's where he's probably at his best. No doubt he's the undisputed champion. I don't, I don't see there being a serious challenge for him in that weight class in terms of who I think would be favored to beat him or that would I think even, you know, 
have a good chance to really win. Like I would still pick him against Benavides. I would still pick him against uh, Charlo if Charlo decides to uh, come up from the middleweight division. Um, and and now he's going to have to figure out what he wants to do. But I think that, uh, you know, that's that's going to be something that he and Eddie Reynoso, Eddie Hearn, they're going to speak about over the next, uh, you know, couple of weeks. Uh, you know, I asked Canelo at the press conference, uh, you know, in the, in the post-fight press conference about a couple of those things. And one of the things I also asked him was, what are you going to do today, meaning on Sunday? Because I always find it interesting, like, what's your mentality? Are you going to, like, go see your family? Are you going to lay in bed all day? Are you going to what, – what are you going to do on, you know, the, the day after this terrible uh, moment in your career? He said he was going to go golfing. So he'll Love think that. about it. There's a lot to think about when you're walking 18, you know? That's right. And, I, and as I tweeted, uh, when you put that out there on social media in the middle of the night, Saturday night, the tea time waits for no one. If you love golf and you're addicted, you're going to get out there. You're going to go, you're going to go play uh, and go have fun. And yes, clear his head, uh, et cetera. Again, we should point out first loss for Canelo Alvarez, as, uh, as Dan just mentioned in nine years, roughly nine years since he lost to Floyd Mayweather in 2013. And by the way, yeah. in that stretch, since that Mayweather lost 15, Oh, and one with the draw being against triple G and, and those 15 victories, a lot of quality fighters, yeah, you know, sure. that's the resin that, that 15, Oh, and one, that that's what made him the pound for pound King. That's what made him champions in, in four different weight classes. That's what made him the undisputed champion. That's what made him a two division lineal champion. That's what made him the pound for pound. Number one, that's what made him uh, the biggest star in the land. Um, that 15, Oh, and one record in those fights since Floyd, that's the legacy. That's, that's what, uh, when he goes in the hall of fame and when we have conversations about, is he the greatest Mexican boxer of all time? Um, that's going to be the, the the nine year stretch that we're going to talk about. And it's by the way, just because he lost to people, it's not like I think his career is over. He's still only thirty one years old, sure. and you know, and uh, you know, there's still plenty of uh, I think I think big fights out there for him. All right, we're going to get into that right now. More with Dan Rayfield as we go along here in the Fight Freaks Unite recap mode. I have promised Dan, though, as much as I would love to sit here and go on and on with him, again, he has been traveling all day, so we don't need to be here for an hour. But we got good stuff to cover here over the next little bit. Uh, about all of this let's just go in the natural progression as you mentioned post-fight press conference uh, he made it clear in the ring canelo that he wants to invoke the one-way rematch clause he had a rematch if bivol lost bivol did not have a rematch clause so he made it clear then then after the fight he made it clear again do you believe this is a foregone conclusion that instead of triple g i see you shaking your head before i can finish the question do you believe before uh, the fight with Triple G, it is a rematch, or will he follow through with Triple G? What, are you, what is your educated belief? In the ring, he said he wanted the rematch. In the very beginning part of his press conference, after Bevel had done his press conference and left, he also said he wanted the rematch. When I asked him a question towards, like, literally, I think the last question, or maybe the, a couple of the last questions of the press conference after the fight, I asked him just to double check, just to be sure, just to press him a little bit. Can you, are you saying that you, cause he never said I want it next. He just, he was kind of open-ended. I said, do you want the rematch with uh, Bivol next? Would you consider putting it off and going forward with the triple G fight? I mean, if he fights triple G, he's still the super middleweight champion. That's right. Still, still a big fight, obviously. Um, and I personally think from a, a, a uh, public interest and a, and a dollar figure interest, it's still the bigger fight than Bivol. No disrespect to the new, uh, you know, uh, rising pound for pound guy after that great victory. So I asked him, Bivol next, or would you consider the Triple G fight? And will you still look to fight in September? He was non-committal on all three of those points. So I just don't think there's an answer right now. I think that there's going to be some heavy conversations with him and Eddie Reynoso, probably also with Eddie Hearn. 
about what are we doing? Are we doing the rematch with Bivol? Are we going to the Triple G fight? Are we going to take a little more time off and maybe, you know, not come back till December or, or you know, potentially early next year? I don't know if he'll stay out that long. It's not like he got damaged, you know, injured in the fight or anything like that. So mm-hmm. he could fight. It would be more mental than physical. Um, you know, now they have to decide what they want to do. Does he want the rematch? He seems like he wants it, but that could be just bravado after the fight. And when they really analyze it and think about it, they'll understand that it's maybe not the best thing for the longer term of his career. You know, I made the point, you know, in, uh, in tweeting today, uh, there's a, there's a great line and a great scene in the, in the second Rocky movie, Rocky two, where Apollo Creed is uh, telling his people that he wants to rematch with Rocky because he makes point. He goes, I won the fight, but the people don't think I won. Like I got the decision, but I didn't win. Right. And he asked his team, they're all sitting there, the trainer and the publicist and the, the manager and the whole group, they're all sitting in the office with Apollo Creed. And he says, uh, you know, what do you think? And, and, uh, and the trainer says, you know, you, you want to know what I think? And he gets up and he walks over to the desk. And it's one of the great scenes in, in all the Rocky films. I, I just love it. And he says, he goes, he's all wrong for us, baby. Exactly. We don't need this man in our life. And those words should be spoken by Eddie Reynoso to Canelo Alvarez. He's all wrong for us, baby. We don't need this man in our life. Because Bivol, that's what kind of fight he's going to fight. He's not, this is not a guy that's going to suddenly change styles. Now, I, I mean, I watched Marco Antonio Barrera his whole career. He literally changed his style when he fought Prince Nassim. I don't see Bivol making those kinds of radical changes. They don't right. need to make those radical changes. He got by with exactly what he does, but in, and he did it in pretty much the perfect way. He threw a few more punches than usual, fine. But I reiterate, he's all wrong for us, baby. We don't need <laughs> this man in our life. I love this uh, from Dan Rayfield. Um, just like and let me the- say one other thing, TJ. Yeah. I'd be using that same conversation with Anthony Joshua as he approaches the Usyk rematch. Yeah. He's all wrong for us, baby. We don't need this man in our life. But in, in that case, this is Joshua's last stand here to get the titles back. True. To try to go through that man. Canelo's got the Hall of Fame resume. Does he want it one more time? He's also still the yeah. super middleweight champion of the world. And by That's the right. way, as I just said, the fight with Golovkin, I, I strongly believe from a marketability point of view and the dollars, it's the bigger fight. I mean, people say, oh, I don't want to see it. He, he's old, Triple G, or we, you know, we already been down that road twice. Trust me. You announce that fight. You put them on a dais together, staring each other down. You start bringing up all the stuff that went down between them in the first two mm-hmm. fights. Their obvious dislike for one another. Uh, that becomes a mega fight. That becomes a fight that you see on SportsCenter. The Bevo rematch you might get at two seconds on SportsCenter. This will be a much bigger deal. Um, so, again, they, those are things they have to consider. I know DAZN is just desperate for the, for the Triple G fight. I mean, they've been trying to get that fight done for years. It feels snake-bitten for a variety of reasons, as it's not happened uh, over the last few years. But um, And, by the way, you know, maybe Canelo would opt to try to do something else. If not, I mean, I guess he has a contract for the Triple G fight. Um, I was going to ask you, clarify, yeah. they don't necessarily have signed paperwork that that's next because they had to make room for the possibility that the Bevel fight would be next. So... I just I wonder if maybe Golovkin chooses to move on and do something else right now because he he's believes not, that he tri- believes that Canelo's going to fight Bivol anyway. Triple G is not going to move on until he has to move on. He wants the rematch. Okay. He wants the third fight with Canelo. There's no the most fight lucrative, that, no question. I mean, not only is it the most yeah. lucrative, it's the it's the most lucrative by probably you know eight figures. So and it's revenge, and it's revenge for him. So I understand. Yeah, that. because I mean, look, all due respect to Canelo, everybody knows he lost the first fight. And the second fight was a little questionable. I mean, I this is the crazy thing about the second fight. If you went down and, and, and did a, a poll at ringside of all the press and the folks that were there, 
most people actually had the rematch a draw because that's how close it was. Now, Canelo had a smattering of people that thought he won, and he obviously got the official decision. But that was by no means a definitive victory. I mean, he thinks it is because he got his hand raised, and good for him. But uh, Golovkin, to the uh, viewpoint of many, many, many of legions of people out there, believe he is no worse than one win, no losses, and one draw against Canelo. Instead of now, he's 0-1-1. So he wants that rematch. He's not moving on until there's no other choice. Canelo obviously has the options because of the fact that he lost to Bebo and has a rematch clause. Um, we're going to see what he's going to do. But, I mean, I don't expect – and you shouldn't expect him to make a snap decision. I understand it's the question everybody wanted to hear from him in the ring and in the press conference, but it's going to take him a few, uh, you know, a few days, a few weeks, however long. He's going to have to uh, – I've used the word decompress, kind of digest what occurred, have the conversation with his team, and really in, in, in his own quiet moments, whether it's Eddie Reynoso, Eddie Hearn, not involved, but just in his own mind when he lays his head down on the pillow, think about what he really wants to do. All right, a few more moments left here. Fight Freaks Unite recap off the weekend. So I wrote about this as well on the website. Speaking of the judges, and two of the judges that were involved in the scoring of this B-Bowl victory were also judges on that Canelo-Golovkin rematch in September of 2018. And they both, uh, Dave Moretti and Steve Weisfeld, gave the decision to Canelo back now uh, four years ago, roughly four years ago. And in this case, they had Canelo winning late in the fight. In fact, all three judges had Canelo winning late in the fight. So let's get into it just a little bit here because this is good for the back and forth. I wrote my theory, my belief is they came into the beginning of this fight uh, banking on the reputation of Canelo, uh, banking on the fact that they've seen his greatness over and over and over again. And so in the first round or the second round, if there's not a ton going on, you're almost going to default to him. I don't have another explanation as to how all three of these guys gave the first round to Canelo Alvarez when, according to CompuBox, he landed five punches. The opponent well, landed 14 and was controlling the first round. I don't I, have I, an explanation. I, I, give me, give me I, some insight, please. You were I'm not going to ever use CompuBox as a reason to decide why I got to around. CompuBox, they're good people that work it. They're, they do a great job. The, the statistics that they provide are provide a great guide to the fight. They are not, not the end-all, be-all. I've seen plenty of fights that. where the stats, you know, are skewed one way or the other, but the other guy wins the fight. So, you know, five and 14, you know, if five are power shots and 14 are jabs, you might have a better thought in your mind that the guy that you wins should. the power shots is going to win that round. So I don't count that in terms of what I'm assessing. And keep in mind also that the judges don't have access to that. And let's also keep in mind, let's just be brutally honest about what CompuBox is. That fight, those CompuBox fight, the, in, in, in the term of the other night, they were watching on a monitor in a remote location, counting the punches. They were not ringside, and even if they were, it's just human beings punching in a, a keypad. Now, they're trained, and they do a great job, and I think they're a fantastic right. asset for the sport. But you cannot live and die on the CompuBox. The first round, I thought, was Bevo's round. Yep. You know, it was one of those things where, but they were close. And I think you're, you're onto something when you say that if not a lot happened, you know, you may be predisposed to give it to the A side. Uh, and it's up to the B side to really kind of seize the moment. Um, that's just human nature. I did think that Canelo had a good, you know, his best rounds were in the first half of the fight. And then by the second half of the fight, he was obviously losing more convincingly. So whatever rounds you might've given to Canelo early were can, probably you thought were close. The rounds you were giving Bevo late were clear Bevo rounds. And that can kind of skew the way the numbers because you're still just adding up tens and nines regardless of how close each round is or how not close they are, unless there's a knockdown to, you know, sway uh, the scoring or, or a point deduction or just some heavy damaging 
you know, one-sided ass kicking around. But I, I just hurt. thought if I can interrupt, I just thought it was remarkable that all three of those guys officially and they're veteran championship judges. And let me say here, I'm not questioning uh, you used the word nefarious last week, and I love that word. There was nothing nefarious. No. I just think they got it wrong on all three of them saying it's for nothing Canelo after the first four rounds. I thought Bevo won at least the first and the third round. Did you have it 2-2 also? I had, ringside? I had a 3-1. You had a 3-1? I to go back. But what I do is when I'm scoring at ringside, if I feel like a round is close, I might make a little notation. I forget which round it was, but of those first four, one of them I did put the notation, but I still had Canelo head three to one, but not four to nothing. Because Bivol, you know, he definitely won at least one of those early rounds. Um, and as you said, the judges who were on the panel, Steve Weisfeld, Dave Moretti, and Tim Cheatham, you could argue that those three men are among the top 10 judges, maybe top five judges in the entire sport. Uh, you know, I've met all of them. You know, Tim and Steve, I know for many years, not like we're best friends, but we're friendly. I speak to them. Uh, when I see them, you know, occasionally I'll, you know, trade a Facebook message with Tim Cheatham about, you know, because we're not about his fights, but just because we're boxing fans also. You know, these are good people. These are honest people in my estimation. They do a great job. I mean, you know, Weisfeld is, you know, in the, is going to be in the Hall of Fame. I think already already is in the Hall of Fame. I mean, they're among the great judges of our time. So these are not, uh, it's not a situation where sometimes you see a very inexperienced judge who's mm -hmm. getting his first or her first opportunity, you know, under the lights of a really big fight and, Maybe it doesn't go so well. Um, I, I don't. I don't have any other explanation for it. They all scored it the same, and they're not like sitting next to each other, collaborating, and and they're not seeing copy box stats. They're not watching replays. They're just seeing the fight and and doing it. And I have I to thought, say, honestly, I thought it was also remarkable too. I know I keep interjecting that after the four nothing start, in all three of their cases, they only gave Canelo one more of the last nine rounds. And yep. in all three of their cases, they all gave Bevol each of the 10th, 11th, and 12th round, which, as it turns out, Dan Rayfield, he had to have that, or the fight was going to be a draw at worst for Canelo, or maybe a Canelo win on a fight that Bevol clearly was better than him on that night. It's just remarkable on the scoring. Let me just put it to you this way. Fans love this. Fans love to mix it up. Conspiracy theories. Are these guys corrupt? Whatever. Um, it, it, it fuels a, a lot of what happens when we go into a fight and we get to the decisions. I get that. But this is where the sport gets tainted somewhat because everybody was saying, why watch this be a screwy scorecard. Watch this be a screwy decision here at the end. And it almost was a disaster at the, at the very end of this, because again, they all three had to give Bevel each of the last three rounds, or he gets at least a draw Canelo or maybe even a win. And that's what they did too. Just follow up on that point. If you would. Yeah, I mean, you know, if they had given people the 12th round, I mean, I'm sorry, if they had given Canelo round 12, it would have been a draw. Yes. And that would have been a travesty. But at the end of the day, they didn't. So that's, people got to remember, they didn't give him that. It wasn't a draw. It wasn't a Canelo victory. It wasn't a split decision. That's right. It was a unanimous decision in favor of Bivol that, in the estimation of most people, was probably a round or two, a round or two too close. The prevailing scores that I heard from people that were sitting at ringside in the media section, now, keep in mind, the way that the media section was constructed, there was one long row, I believe 20 seats in the media center behind the television broadcasters on the floor, and the rest of the media uh, was in the back of the floor on risers with a different angle, further away, but a different angle. The people I was in and around, the, 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 the prevailing scorecard was probably anywhere from 8-4, like I had it, to 10-2. 
difference of a couple of rounds, you know, but, but, but usually about eight, four, nine, three, that was like the normal kind of card. It so happened that the judges had it seven, five. We think it's too close, but in the end, you know, Dimitri Bivol had the hand raised and he was asked about the scorecards. I asked him, what do you think? You were down four, nothing. Did you feel like you're down four, nothing? And somebody else had brought up the fact that if he doesn't win round 12, he gets a draw. And he, he just basically was like, look, I fought the fight. I won the fight. You know, I, I got my hand raised and, you know, I'm not going to complain about the judging. Um, they put their faith in the Nevada commission. It turned out that it paid off. And however they got to the 115, 113, thank God they got there and the right guy won the fight. Like all this insight, a couple more minutes here, and then we're done on the Fight Freaks Unite. It was a good fight, uh, too, by the way. That's one thing yes. we're not talking about. It was a hell of a fight. Okay, I so mean, on on that point, uh, I, I believe Bevo had done enough entering round 11 and around 12. Obviously, his corner uh, gave him the instruction, we can't coast, we can't take these rounds off, because he was much more aggressive. Again, we're back to the copy box. Uh, he landed, according to them, 18 punches in each of the last two rounds, which was his largest connect uh, a, percent, a largest uh, number of connections in any round in the first uh, 10 in those last two. So he clearly was fighting more aggressively, was trying to win the rounds. What did you perceive there? Because it could have, as it turns out, it could have been wrong strategy to try to coast, especially in the last round. He didn't do that. He no, certainly right. did not do that, Dan. You cannot take your foot off the gas in the 12th round of that kind of fight against the superstar of the sport. You have to fight every single round, three minutes. He did that. He did not pull a De La Hoya like he did against Trinidad and think he's going to just sit on the lead. He went out there and he fought his ass off in round 12 and had a big round and clearly was the winner of the 12th round. Not even a shadow of a doubt about that. And, you know, if you, again, bringing up the copy box, if you actually examine their statistics, he outlanded Canelo Alvarez in every single round of the fight, all 12 rounds. He landed uh, more punches on Canelo Alvarez than any opponent uh, had done. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the stat was. It was maybe going back to Mayweather. Maybe going back to Mayweather. No, no, time out. Let me, I got it right now. Canelo Alvarez only landed 85 punches. That was the fewest punches that he's landed on an opponent that they've tracked ever. Wow. Second, only to the previous low was something like he landed, I think it was 85 against Bevel. The previous low of a landed amount in a, in a 12 round fight for Canelo was 100 and. 17 i want to say which is what he landed against mayweather so defensively it was a great job by bivol and obviously he landed uh, a lot more punches than canelo did he threw more punches than canelo did he landed a higher connect percentage than canelo did and he outlanded him in every round so it just shows you uh again it provides a guide to the fight if you are gonna be successful in every single one of those categories chances are you're gonna win the fight and he did all right we're going to get out of here. I promise. Three things. Number one, rematch. Will it be in Vegas? Will it be somewhere else? What's the educated insight that you have? Vegas? I don't, I don't, I mean, if they do the rematch, you have to figure it'll be Las Vegas. I mean, that's, that's uh, where the money is for Canelo type fights. And particularly if he ends up fighting him in September on the, on the Mexican independence day weekend. Um, now, one thing that was brought to our attention is that, uh, um, Bivol's manager, Vadim Kornilov, after their part of the press conference, had done some individual interviews. And one of the ones he did was with my good friend, Michelle Phelps, who runs the Beyond the Gloves uh, YouTube channel. She does a great job. And they said in that interview that, yeah, they want the rematch, but they want to renegotiate what they're mm -hmm. getting because they did. They, they, they took the fight with Canelo for, frankly, less than they probably could have gotten. Um, my understanding is he was guaranteed about five or six million, which is certainly a lot less than like a Caleb Plant was getting for 10 million for the fight that was just in November. Um, 
they wanted the opportunity. They were going to, they would have taken this fight for anything. They got the opportunity they won. And now it's time, even though they've got a contract, they're going to want to maybe sweeten that deal. And I, I mean, obviously if you sign, you should honor your commitment, but it's sort of a similar situation where Anthony Joshua had a sign agreement uh, with a rematch clause in it for him to fight Anthony Joshua a second time after he defeated him. And he caused a lot of ruckus. And Ruiz, was making Andy Ruiz. Yes. What did, I, Ruiz. what did I say? You said Anthony Joshua again, and you're allowed. Uh, yeah. you're no, Andy, Andy, been flying all day. I knew what you meant. Yeah. No. So Andy Ruiz. So in the end, he had a signed contract, but they came to the table and he yep. did get his, 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 yep. his package got sweetened quite a bit. And uh, if they opt for the rematch, I have to imagine that they'll end up uh, sweetening the, the package for Bebo. Uh, but again, Nothing is definite, but you would think logically that if they go for the rematch, you know, if Canelo decides that's what he's going to do. And even if he goes for the triple G fight, you have to figure that either one of those fights are going to be in Las Vegas because that's, that's where it happens. If uh, Golovkin has to wait, do you believe he waits completely or he takes a risk and fights somebody else? Well, that's an interesting question. I mean, I guess it would depend on how long he has to wait. I mean, he, he took off like almost a year and a half. Yep. before he fought Murata when He's that fight 40 was 40 years old as well. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not sure what's the fight out there that he would, right. What would keep him busy? I mean, he doesn't, I don't think he has a mandatory do. He just unified with mm-hmm. the WBA. The fight he had done before that, I think was the mandatory. Um, so I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. I mean, it's, it's possible that a zone would have a lot to say about that also because they have his contract and obviously they would be on the hook for the money. And I'm not sure they have the appetite at the moment to do a, I mean, I know they would like to do a triple G fight, but I don't know if they want to do them in a, in a lesser fight. Murata was a different deal. It was a big deal in Asia. It was a unification fight. It was meaningful. Uh, I'm not sure what other fight out there that they can make for him other than Canelo would really um, move subscriptions and create, you know, a, a public demand or desire. So, you know, I kind of feel bad for triple G. He's wanted this third fight for so long. He's deserved it for so long. And he just, it just, it's like slipping, you know, it's like you're trying to grab sand and it's just falling through your fingers. Yeah, it's, uh, and, and, and in his case, uh, you had a couple of factors. One, you got Canelo uh, feuding with Oscar De La Hoya and DeZone about his deal. You have the COVID-19 pandemic. You have things that got in the way. And now you have Bivol, as he said in the ring after the fight was over with. Sorry, Eddie, I broke your, <laughs> I broke your fight with Triple G. Uh, listen, you've done a great job with this. We've got so much coverage coming uh, this weekend, not only off the Canelo uh, lost to Bivol. Dimitri Bivol deserves full credit for that. But we've got undisputed 154-pound title fight coming right back in California on Saturday night showtime uh, with Jermel Charlo battling Brian Castaño. Long-awaited rematch there. We're looking forward to that. We're going to have coverage again through Big Fight Weekend. We'll have a Big Fight Weekend preview podcast. So, again, on this podcast feed, recap mode with Fight Freaks Unite off the weekend, preview mode usually out on Friday. And there may be coverage kind of in between if we've got breaking news, if Dan scores a big interview, if we've got something else going, keep it locked in here. And they need to read you on the Substack on Fight Freaks Unite. Search for that. Search for Dan's Substack. Read him there. Read him on the site as well. Anything else in closing? Because I know you have done a tremendous effort to get in here and get this done to kick our week off. Anything else, Dan, before we're good? Just a good uh... – Hadn't done it in a long time. Hadn't done that back to back in Vegas in a while. Been a couple, been a few, been before the <laughs> pandemic. So ten days in Vegas was a, it was a great trip. I'm glad I did it. Uh, but I will reiterate what I've said for a long time: a little Las Vegas goes a long way. <laughs> yeah, you're good. You're good for now. And the family did recognize you when you returned on Sunday. We have confirmation. If, if you want to know the truth, I haven't seen my family because when I got <laughs> home, asleep. my wife and my son were already asleep. <laughs> and and by the way, they'll probably be out of the house at six in the morning wow. for their the stuff they got to do in the morning. Yeah. So I most likely won't see them until the, unless my wife may work at home on Monday. 
But yeah. uh, I won't see my son till after school on Monday. I, I talked to him on FaceTime, you know, all during the week and in the airport, that sort of thing. But uh, I got home to a, uh, a very quiet house. I did see my cat, though, so that was good. The cat recognized you, so all yeah, of is good. Hey, great job with <laughs> everything that went Again, if you were with us, another plug here. I know we're patting ourselves on the back. If you were with us on the Big Fight Weekend preview, you heard Eddie Hearn talking to Dan Rayfield and saying, this is a dangerous fight for Canelo, and here's why. He was right. And you were right, and he was right, and you got insight from Sergio Mora on that preview podcast, who did a great job on the call with Todd Grisham and Danny Jacobs and Chris Mannix, because Mora was talking to us in advance about the jab, the footwork, ring generalship. You saw all of those things, so we've got great stuff here with what Dan's doing and what we are up to. My friend, you have my permission. We're good. Go to bed. You're going to do that. Go get some rest. And we appreciate it on the Fight Freaks Unite recap podcast. Thank you, Dan Rayfield. You bet, DJ. And we thank you for being with us again. Follow or subscribe on the Big Fight Weekend podcast feed. Follow or subscribe. You'll get Fight Freaks Unite in the recap mode. We're back later this week to preview Charlo Castaño to the rematch in California, in Carson, California. For now, we're good on Fight Freaks Unite. Bye. What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL.